All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by the Falcoholics, Eric Robinson. We're going to be recapping the entire 2019 draft class for the Atlanta Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at FalcFans.com, on Twitter at FalcFans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. We have nothing but illustrious guests. This is someone who has – it's been a minute since he's been on the show, but we are welcoming him back. He's going to talk with us today about his thoughts on this Falcons 2019 draft class now that all three days are done. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Glad to be on here, man, and, and glad to, to talk about this this interesting draft class that they put together this year. So, you know, you have been fairly vocal on Twitter about what you wanted the Falcons to do over the last couple of uh, weeks leading into this draft. And so for our listeners who may not be following you on Twitter or whatnot, um, sort of outline to them sort of what you were hoping for the Falcons to get out of this draft class and, and whether or not they checked any of those boxes for you? I was hoping that when it was all said and done, that the main thing that they did was upgrade at edge. Um, I, I Just like everyone else, you know, we, we knew that, you know, getting Matt Ryan some protection this offseason was important. But I felt that getting some pass rushers in was an equal need, in my opinion. Um it remains to be seen whether they check that box or not. I did like one, you know, the prospect that they got out of Charleston and John Kaminsky, but he's not necessarily an answer to that woe when it comes to getting after the quarterback. So um, it, it shows that they clearly have, um, they're clearly going into the 2019 season, placing a lot of faith on Tack and Vic Beasley and their progression and their development and whether or not they can, take that next step to be those premier edge rushers that they expect. Now, when it comes to getting guys to help protect Matt Ryan, you know, um, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, two physical prospects who are um, much needed uh, weapons in the, in the, uh, the run game when it comes to improving the run game. And I think right now, those two guys, their presence on the offensive line, it, it, it opens up things for the run game for the Falcons, which we know that going into the 2019 season is going to be uh, placed on a higher emphasis than it was last year. Yeah, it's interesting because when you look at these seven draft picks, three of them were you know devoted to sort of the the hashtag physical movement that the Falcons have sort of been mm-hmm. talking up this offseason. And, right. you know, that was mainly seemingly the main sort of overarching thing. And it's interesting because it, it it's there's been a lot of parallels between these two seasons in, mm-hmm. in the last year with uh, 2018 and 2019. Now heading in 2019, you go back to 2013 and now 2014, and that was sort of a parallel for the Falcons, where they were you know they were all about toughness and, and beefing up you know the various lines then. And I'm sort of you know obviously that didn't work out necessarily for the Mike Smith regime. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you feel like this is going to be a little bit more favorable for this Dan Quinn regime? I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, I, I think this regime, while it may not be, um, they may not be labeled as on the hot seat. Um, I think this is a very critical offseason for Dan Quinn and his coaching regime in Atlanta. Um, 
when the season was over, um, myself and a few other Falcons writers said that this has to be the most aggressive offseason um, under his his tenure here in Atlanta. And to me so far, it, it has been that. Um, and that's quite obvious, especially when it comes to on the offensive line. You know, they signed two guys and James Carpenter and Jamon Brown in free agency. And then you go out and you draft a Chris Lindstrom, you draft a Caleb McGarry. They gave an extension to Tyson Brelo. Um, they even signed a couple other guys like uh, Adam Geddes, um, another developmental guard. Um, they went out and signed uh, Luke Stocker, um, brought back um, Paulson. So I, I will credit them and I will commend them for being or uh, for not wanting to be complacent. They're not putting a Band-Aid over what's been, what was a real issue last year. They're saying, look, we want to attack this. We want to um, shore this up, make sure this doesn't happen again. Because last year was a weird season, especially when it came with injuries. And it showed that the team really lacked depth. Um, and I think they've addressed that. And I think this is, like I said, it may, it may not be a hot seat season for him. But I think this is a year where he honestly needs to make the playoffs at the very least. And if he doesn't, 2020 is going to be really, really good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk a little bit more about these uh, draft prospects that the Falcons took uh, this past weekend. But uh, I do want to let you guys know that if you want to get additional draft takes from around the league, not just the Falcons, you can check out two draft-related podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, the Draft Dudes Podcast. Find them both on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this Locked On Podcast, including the new Himalaya Podcast app. Find that at your app store, your team, every day. So let, let's talk about sort of the devotion to the offensive line. That was sort of the big storyline coming out of day one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of Lindstrom and McGarry, where do you sort of expect those guys to sort of play this season, maybe specific positions? And do you feel like the Falcons are going to try to start those guys and get them on the field as early as possible to sort of reap whatever benefits that they can bring in the run game in terms of what you were talking about earlier? I, I think it's almost expected for Lindstrom to be a starter uh, based on where he was drafted and, and his skill set overall. I mean, he was one of the safer picks in the draft. Now, you can debate all day whether you – feel he should have been drafted at 14 or whether you feel he should have been drafted in the second round. Either way, regardless of where he was drafted, Lindstrom is going to be, in my opinion, he's he's going to be looked upon to be a day one starter. And, and I think his presence um, is needed on that offensive line. And I think they got themselves a guy that can really be a 10-year starter in this league. Um, now, the debate the, or the question is whether he's going to play right guard or left guard. He's played both. Um, while at Boston College during his four years, he's also played right tackle. Um, and initially, I thought that it may, it may be possible that he can play tackle, but that was until McGarry got drafted. And, and, and you know, you can pretty much scratch that. So I, I think if I were to place a bet on it, I would I would say that he would probably start at left guard based on the amount of resources that was given to Jamon Brown. And I feel that they're not, I mean, he, Jamon Brown on this, on this team to me um, indicates that the team wants to see him. They want him to start. They will. I think it's going to be a situation kind of sort of similar to, uh, to last year where they bought in Brandon plus necessarily hand him the job, 
but I think they were hoping he wins the job. And I think the same thing is the case for Lindstrom and Jamal Brown. As far as Caleb McGarry goes, um, whether I, I, he's capable of beating out Sam Brelo, I'm not just I'm just not sure that the, the staff wants to start a rookie right tackle week one, um, knowing what they have in front of them the first five or six weeks of the season. I mean, you got to you got to the, the likes of Everson Griffin and uh, uh, Daniel Hunter. And then you got, you know, the Eagles uh, defensive line with Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham. And then, you know, a few weeks later, you got J.J. Watt. I'm not quite sure they want to throw Caleb McGarry out there in that. Um, I think that's another situation where they kind of hope Sam Brelo secures the spot and bring McGarry along slowly as the swing tackle throughout the season. I would not be surprised if Sam Brillo is the week one guy, and then by the time the end of the regular season comes, McGarry's the starter. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that seems to be the, the, the safest assumption right now. It's just really a question of sort of when McGarry gets on the field. Is it late in the season? Is it early in the season? Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess there's... The also possibility, which I'm highly skeptical of, that Sam Braylon plays well this season and doesn't relinquish the job, which yeah. no one's going to complain if that happens. I just no. don't think it's going to be necessarily no. something that's realistic. But um, let's talk a little bit about sort of day two. I know you mm-hmm. were pretty uh, upset with the gift game on uh, Friday night uh, <laughs> with the Falcons' lack of activity. I'm, I'm curious sort of. What were you hoping to see them do? Jump back into, uh, you know, rounds two, round three to get that edge rusher that you were hoping for? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you've seen more than enough NFL drafts to know that while round one gets all the spectacle, um, rounds two and three is really like a gold mine for NFL teams because you have those fringe first round players, you have those fringe second round players. There's plenty of talent, plenty of starting talent in round two, in rounds two and three. Um, so, you know, going into it, you know, they had seven selections on day three. So we all felt like, Hey, they're going to trade. They're going to maneuver their way back into it. They did it the night before um, to, to move up from 45 to 31 to get McGarry. So we, I, I you know, I was kind of expecting like, Hey, it's going to be a trade. I don't know where I doubt it's going to be a second round, but I, I, I expect them to trade back up into round three and get an edge rusher, get a couple guys that were, were still there. But they didn't do it. They didn't move. They just sat on their hands for two for for two rounds. And I was a little puzzled because again, there was some really good talent out there, um, especially at corner as well. Um, a, a, a number of their guys that they had in for workouts that they really gave long, extensive looks were still on the board. Guys like Sean Bunting was still there, um, uh, and, and it it kind of puzzled me a little bit. Like, why are we not seeing anything? Um, they have, a, but they have a plan, you know, um, and I guess their plan was to let's just sit and wait and see who drops. I don't know if that was the wisest of plans. I would have tried to maneuver back into the mid third at least and try to get someone, but Hey, um, we'll see what happens. This, this team, this, this front office, they have a lot of faith in their scouting. They have a lot of faith in their drafting when it comes to getting guys that they want in the third, fourth, and fifth round. So I, that was quite obvious as the end of day two came to an end. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, I, I look, for me at least, and we'll turn our attention to sort of what they were going to do in day three in a moment, but I looked yeah. at sort of their day three picks, and I was a little underwhelmed with what they got. Yeah. And But then I sort of sit back and say, well, 
I've been kind of underwhelmed with a lot of their day three picks the last couple of years, and, and a lot of those guys always seem to sort of outperform my expectations. Like last year you had Ido Smith, and I was like, oh, he's going to ride the bench. He's not going to play. And then, right. you know, due to injuries, he was able to sort of step in, and I thought played reasonably well. Foye Olakuno, he's a project. You know, he's, he's a safety convert. He's not going to play. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're looking at him, expecting him to start games for the Falcons this year. So it's one of those things where knowing that – sort of where is your head at sort of looking at this day three crop of players sort of who are the guys that stand out to you who are the guys that you have a little bit more question marks uh surrounding and whatnot um I really like Kaminsky I think Kaminsky can be and now I, I saw a comparison out there and you know when it comes to you know pro comparisons these things can go awry real quick but I saw a comparison out there of Kaminsky to Jared Allen former Vikings defensive end and that kind of it was interesting a little bit um, because Allen also was a fourth-round draft pick, I believe. And, you know, he didn't come in with much fanfare. He didn't come in with much, you know, he he wasn't recognized as much until he got on the field in Minnesota. But Kaminsky is is very intriguing to me. He's 286 pounds, and he ran a 4-6 at the combine. Um, on tape, very athletic. You know, played defensive end, played strong side defensive end, slid in on the interior on certain downs, on passing downs was a, a, a menace to block. Now, granted, the level of competition, um, it, it, that can that can definitely um, fudge some things a little bit when it comes to a player's skill set or to the NFL level where offensive linemen are going to be much faster, much stronger, you know, much quicker, much more athletic or whatever. But um, he's he's intriguing to me. Um, but the, the question mark – Kendall Sheffield, um, the corner out of Ohio State that was taken in the fourth round. Um, when it comes to athleticism, he checks that box. When it comes to speed, he really checks that box. He ran a four three nine at his pro day, I believe. Um, but technique wise, he needs some work. Um, but I think, and, I, and I, there were better prospects on the board, in my opinion. A guy like Mark Fields out of Clemson was a, was a better option. Um, and and uh, their guy, Isaiah Johnson out of Houston, was was still on the board as well. Um, someone that they really liked in the pre-draft process. So them trading up to get Kendall Sheffield, who's raw and needs some time, was interesting. But he steps in a, in a decent situation. It's not as if the team needs him to start right away. He, right now, he's probably going to be cornerback four, maybe cornerback five, which gives him time to develop you know, get his feet wet. He's going to get baptized in training camp this year by Julio and Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanuli. Almost expected. So don't, don't, don't look at that in training camp and say, Oh my God, this guy's awful. No, he's going to struggle in training camp. You might as well go ahead and have that seed planted in your head right now. Um, But he has the potential. Um, And I think ultimately he can carve out a niche as a really good, really quick uh, athletic slot corner. And he can be a future starter. Um, but again, they have to be patient with him. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the rest of the Falcons day three crop in just a moment, but I do want to plug not only the NBA, but the MLB side of the lockdown podcast network, where you can find daily shows devoted to all 30 NBA teams and a daily show devoted to a growing list of MLB teams like the lockdown Braves podcast hosted by Dylan Shore, like the lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland, find them on Whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to this Locked On Falcons podcast, as well as the new Himalaya podcast app, your team every day. 
So, Eric, um, you talked about Sheffield, you talked about Kaminsky, two guys that are sort of, you know, a little bit projects to a certain extent, developmental, we'll say developmental starters uh, mm-hmm. at this point. That's the, that's the kind way of saying projects. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, again, it, it kind of goes back to that 2014 draft class where the Falcons were drafting more projects like a Hageman, like a Southward. But obviously, I think most people feel a little bit more positive and optimistic that this coaching staff can coach up those guys if they need to get on the field earlier, um, that they can get in and and be productive, at least as role players early on in their career. But looking at the last three picks for the Falcons on day three with Quadriolison, with Marcus Green, and with um, Jordan Miller, um, what were your thoughts on on those selections and sort of what are your expectations for what those guys are going to bring to the Falcons this year and in future years? Um, Marcus Green intrigues me a little bit because of what he's done at Louisiana Monroe and and the type of role that he can have in this offense. Um, He can be a combination of, you know, a slot receiver, scat back, as well as a reliable returner in the kick and punt phase of the game. Um, I, I think we may see him carve out that type of role in year one. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking like he's going to be a major contributor, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if, if they have, they create a lane for him where, you know, he sees a couple gadget plays a game and, and they're trying to get him on the field. He, he does have some Taylor Gabriel uh, qualities that I like. Um, and he's, you know, he's blazing fast in the open field. He's tough to, you know, he's tough, tough to get a proper angle on him as a defender. Um, he's a test down waiting to happen. It doesn't matter where on the field. Um, Quadri Olison, um, another interesting name that they that they selected. Um, and I, I know you're familiar with him, with him being from the University of Pitt. Um, but, you know, he's he's a, a thumper. You know, he's a little bit over six feet, um, close to 230 pounds. Uh, doesn't have, you know, the track speed that Tevin Coleman did. You know, he's not going to, you know, win a ton of foot races. But for a team that wants to place more emphasis on running the football, especially running the football inside, um, with a ton of inside zones, he is um, he he can have a role as well as as that that bruiser along with Devontae Freeman um, and and what Edo Smith is going to do this year as well. Uh, this is an insurance policy, um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how much playing time he gets, how many carries he gets, um, especially in the preseason. I expect him to you know be one of the top or probably the top carry, ball carrier. Um, during the preseason. Um, so Jordan Miller, a long um, athletic corner that fits their mode as far as what they're looking for. You know, he, his, his frame is similar to what Isaiah Johnson was and similar to what um, uh, Isaiah Oliver was. Um, so he was one guy that um, was taken late that I can see, you know, being a, a player on special teams at least. Um, just this year until he gets his feet wet. But he can be a, a considerable dime corner later on down the road. Um, he's going to need some time as well. But he was outshined a little bit at Washington, playing alongside Byron Murphy, playing alongside Taylor Rapp, and during you know pre- previous seasons, playing alongside Kevin King and things of that nature. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, if he is able to make the roster and, and, and see some playing time. But I, I expect special teams to be you talked about wanting to get the edge rusher, and now that the draft is over, 
and sort of looking at potentially we've seen this team be active in, in you know, in previous off seasons in May, trying to shore up some roster spots that are a little bit vulnerable. And one mm-hmm. looks at the edge rusher group, uh, unless the Falcons are, are really going to be counting on guys like Kaminsky or, or Hageman and, and Stephen Means and Chris Odom to really carve out significant roles. It feels like you're right in the sense that they need to get a little bit more help at that position. So I'm curious, are there other positions that you also want to look for? But or maybe there's a, a short list of uh, sort of free agent veteran guys that you're maybe hoping that you can hear in the next couple of weeks that the Falcons are sort of sniffing around. Um, outside of edge, linebacker maybe. You know, I I think the team is starting to give up a little bit on Duke Riley, and I don't blame him, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, this may be a season where he's probably not – he may not see snaps at all. Hopefully. Defense, right, hopefully. <laughs> uh, it's probably going to be Dion and, and Oluwokan as the, as the Mike and the Will starters. But um, linebacker is a, is a definite possibility. Um, and we, we saw last year, man, but – you know, with the injury to Deion Jones and the inconsistency from Duke Riley, you know, we, we had games where we had to give considerable playing time to guys like Bruce Carter to Ola Wogan. I mean, and I don't think they want to come across that again this year. So I would not be surprised if we see another depth signing at linebacker. Um, and like, as you mentioned, you know, edge rusher, I, I feel I, I feel they have to. They kind of sort of have to. I mean, I, I but this is the coaching staff. In a, in a front office that if they have faith in a particular player or in, or in a particular set of players, they're going to maintain that faith. And I think right now they have that faith in Big Beasley and Tack McKinley to, you know, grow and progress next year. I, I'm not so confident in that. Um, I'm a little uncomfortable um, going into the offseason, going into the season next year. I'm going to be a little uncomfortable when it comes to edge. I don't, I'm not quite sure these guys are going to do it, um, especially um, Vic. So th- there's some some interesting names, veteran names that's still out there in free agency at edge rusher, guys like Derek Morgan um, that comes to mind, and um, Ziggy Ansah, even though Ziggy – well, um, Ziggy's price may come down a little bit because he's been hanging out there on the free agency for a little bit. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if he's probably target another edge, another veteran edge, or another veteran linebacker this offseason. Okay. Yeah, I'll be curious to sort of see where where Ziggy's goes because I think he's got like a. They said he's got a surgery or something that he's got to recover mm-hmm. from, and yep. and that's why he hasn't signed with anybody yet. Yep. Um, and you mentioned Derek Morgan. Yeah, you know I think they they actually brought him in for a free agent visit back in 2015 mm-hmm. um, before they wound up I think signing Adrian Claiborne that off season. Mm-hmm. So they, they could certainly kick the tires on him. Uh, mm-hmm. on sort of sort of a one-year come in and help the team out in, yep. in a lot of ways. So we'll have to see how that goes. Obviously, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, very <laughs> emotional. The the roller coaster of emotions where we got all the talk of they're, they're going up for Vic Beasley. I mean, not Vic Beasley. Uh, they're going up for Ed Oliver. How could I confuse those two players together? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're going up for Ed Oliver. And it seemed like it was setting up for that. It didn't right. come through, right? And then they went and took a player in Chris Lindstrom that no one really thought they were going to take in round one. And so, you know, now that the emotional roller coaster you've gone through that sort of, you know, where are you sort of at with this draft class? Where are you at with this team? You know, sort of moving into the summer uh, as we um, get prepared for training camp. 
you know, as far as the team as a whole, um, you know, health is very important, of course, and getting guys like Keanu back, getting Deion Jones back 100% healthy um, is is definitely critical, of course. And and with those two guys on the field, or as well as, you know, veteran Ricardo Allen as well, getting those three guys on the field back 100% makes me feel a little bit better about the roster. Um, As a whole, overall, um, you know, they – Again, they were aggressive this all season. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the big headline signings, but you know, it's you know they they shored up safety. You know, they shored up tight end, um, and and they went out and and got a returner in, in Keon Barner, and you know they they did the small things that is going to allow them to you know not be in a situation like it was last year where they're depending on a guy like Jordan Richards who was traded for in the middle of the season and, you know, to come in and, and get snaps they, I think they're trying to avoid that. And, and I have to tip my cap to them on that. You know, they're not sitting on their hands um, when it comes to something like that. So um, I still feel that if, you know, this team is healthy um, <clears throat> and if, if this draft class is, is able to get some contributions from Lindstrom, McGarry, possibly Sheffield and Kaminsky, I think they can easily, well, not, I won't say easily, but I think they can win 10 or 11 games and make a playoff run. Um, this draft class, it, it's not not one of the better draft class of the Dan Quinn era, but this class with the right coaching can can be, you know, they can, they can pull some guys out of this class and, and have some players out there on the field, especially on the offensive line, especially with Sheffield and Kaminsky. Um, I think those two, if, if given the proper time, they can definitely be um, reliable down the road. So, I mean, it, the the draft as a whole, you know, I, I would if I was going to throw a grade out there, I guess I, I I'll say maybe a B B minus maybe. Um, there were some names on there that I think they overlooked. There were some names out there that I, I felt that they should have targeted a little bit more um, instead of the guys that they walked away with, but. You know, it, it remains to be seen, you know, whether they can coach up this this draft class. I think that's what they're banking on as well, coaching up these guys a little bit this year, especially with Quinn becoming a defensive coordinator. now. All right. Uh, excellent insights there, Eric. And go ahead and let the people know where they can sort of find additional content from you on Twitter and maybe some other articles. I'm, I'm sure you're going to be, you know, tweeting and, and writing about this draft hall. So. You yeah. Know, what's what sort of things you got coming up for people? Um, yeah, well, first of all, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Um, I just finished up today, as a matter of fact, um, my, my scout report on Chris Lindstrom. Um, and I probably I, I also have um, another scout report that I'm putting together for for Kaminsky as well. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and just, you know, grinding some film away, man, getting I, I've seen enough. I've seen film on just about all the products, just about all the prospects that we have. Uh, It's just, you know, putting it all together and, and watching some more film and, and getting, uh, getting acclimated to these guys before the, before the off season kicks on the way with these mini camps and and practices and things of that nature. Well, if you got some university of Charleston film, you know, hook a brother up or whatever. Cause I, I, yeah, that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's more of trying to find a whole game and, and, skimming through some parts um, and, and, uh, and being able to, to find out, commit and find Kaminsky. I, with his senior bowl, 
I watched a little bit of his senior bowl as well. Yeah. He, he was pretty solid there as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, just, you know, just let me know if you if you find something, you stumble across uh, some Charleston stuff. Um, all right, man. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll we'll definitely link back up, and we'll, the gap between the most recent appearance will be shorter uh, next time. So definitely yep. looking forward to talking with you later this summer. Uh, at the latest in the fall when the season starts and we can talk about you know what these players are actually doing and whether or not they're helping the Falcons on their way to that 10 plus win season that we're all hoping and expecting from them absolutely all right man appreciate it and uh check you later sir all right guys that's it uh I don't know if I'm going to take a day or two off I know I'm going to take a day off so there's not going to be an episode tomorrow uh, I need to. I need to break. I might wind up taking two, so I apologize in advance if that's the case. So we'll play it by ear. I'll let you guys know on Twitter. Follow me on Falk Fans. Follow the show on Locked On Falcons on Twitter, and I'll keep you guys up to date. I know you know there's some additional content. I want to sort of arrange and, and really start to dig deeper into these prospects, and uh, you know that's going to take a little bit of time for me to to you know catch up on the film, but also link up with some people that also have opinions on these players that have also done scouting reports and breakdowns of these guys. And I want to set that up and we'll talk quite a bit about that in May. Obviously there's other things going on with the Falcons in the month of May. I know some people have asked me to sort of do a um, further breakdown of sort of what their needs are moving forward. And maybe uh, we'll talk about that later this week as well. And, of course, you know, you got the Julio situation, which hopefully will get resolved. Um, situation, his contract situation, it makes it sound more, you know, like it's dramatic than it is. But, you know, with the reports coming out a couple of weeks ago that, you know, something is looming on the horizon. Hopefully that gets done sooner rather than later. And we'll talk about that. And, uh, of course, you know, any other topics that you guys want me to hit on this show? You know, this is the month, this is the time of the year where I like basically nothing's happening. I'm open to ideas and you can share those ideas with me, of course, on Twitter, Falk fans or Locked on Falcons, particularly Locked on Falcons since it is podcast related. Of course, you can also hit me up on Facebook at Locked on Falcons as well. Give us a like while you're there. And the email address is always there, Locked on Falcons at mail.com and of course you can leave a comment at filefans.com where the podcast is posted daily so there you have it guys until then you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day